0: The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January would make a great gift for your pastor. It's the new Concordia Commentary on John, Chapter 7, Verse 2, to Chapter 12, Verse 50. This latest Concordia Commentary is written by Issues Etc. regular guest, Dr. Bill Weinrich. Learn more about our January Book of the Month at issuesetc.org or by calling Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040, the new Concordia Commentary on John 7-2 to twelve fifty.
1: Now pay close attention, little children. It's somebody you ought to know. Yeah, it's all about a man that walked on earth nearly 2,000 years ago. It starts with a, a uh, simple
0: question. Depleted, what must I do there. to inherit eternal life? The question is posed to Jesus. It's a test, by the way. And Jesus, well, he is God. You don't put God to the test, but he seems to accommodate this lawyer in answering his question with a question of his own. And then we get the parable of the Good Samaritan right there in Luke chapter 10. Welcome back to Issues et cetera. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's time to teach a Sunday school lesson on the parable of the Good Samaritan. Pastor Tom Baker joins us, host of a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, welcome back.
1: Uh, Thank you. When it says
0: that this lawyer stood up to test Jesus, what does that mean?
1: The Bible interprets the Bible. And while Luke 10 is the only place that deals with the story of the Good Samaritan, the question of the lawyer is also found in Matthew 22 and Mark 12. Let me read you part of Matthew 22. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. And that's the same word that's used in Luke 10. Just then stood up a lawyer to test Jesus. Now, the lawyers were probably given this assignment by the Pharisees because Jesus was just too smart for them when they asked him questions. So they thought, well, maybe an attorney can get to him. And he was testing Jesus, assuming that he would give answers in contradiction to Judaism. And that way that they could therefore bring charges against him. So that's behind the idea of testing Jesus They were trying to put him in a position where what he was going to say would be contrary to what they believed about God.
0: What should we make of that lawyer's question, teacher, what shall I do to inherit
1: eternal life? Once more scripture interprets scripture, the identical question that we find in Luke 10 is also found in Mark 10, when a rich man asked Jesus, What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, the idea of inheriting comes from the Old Testament, but the lawyer doesn't seem to be aware that when you inherit something, you get something for nothing. It's not something you earn or something that you can claim because of what you did. But he got the idea of what shall I do from Judaism as you will remember with the readings of the apostle paul he did the ceremonial laws perfectly he was a pharisee of the pharisees and he did each of the ceremonial laws but in comparison to jesus christ he said all of that that i did is garbage because jesus did something far greater in dying for his sins so this idea was prevalent in Judaism, that the way that you get eternal life, even though they use the word inherit, it was because of something you did. It's a law and gospel problem, that by the law, they thought that they could therefore be saved.
0: How does Jesus then respond to that question?
1: He responds to the question, And this is really prevalent in Jesus by asking another question. Jesus says, what is written in the law? How do you read it? See, Jesus is aware that when the man asks, what shall I do, he's thinking about the law. So Jesus therefore says, okay, what does the law say? Now, in the other passages that I mentioned in Matthew and Mark, Jesus actually answers the question about loving the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and your neighbor as yourself. But in this case, he responds to the question of the lawyer by asking him a question. Namely, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Now, the lawyer, summarizes the two tables of the law. Remember, the first one is about our relationship to God and the second about our neighbor. He says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus therefore is asking an interesting question and after the lawyer answers it, here's what Jesus says. You have answered correctly, but then the next part is absolutely important in this incident. Do this and you will live. Now the lawyer, totally misunderstands what jesus is doing here he thinks that jesus is really saying that he's able to do this and therefore he will live an eternal life but jesus is using one of the uses of the law in biblical theology there are three uses that god makes of the law the first is the political use where Well, the government is given the right to use the law to punish evildoers. That's not in this particular incident. But the next two are, the second use of the law that God makes is to accuse us of our sin. And that's what Jesus was doing here when he says to the lawyer, do this and you will live. Because Jesus knows it's impossible for the lawyer to do these commandments perfectly. We all fall short. And therefore, one can say that the third use of the law, which is simply information about God's will for us is also in this parable. And what is God's will for us? That we should not only love God, but we should also love our neighbor as ourselves the lawyer doesn't get that thinking that he's able to do that but Jesus is setting it up in such a way that it's going to be obvious to the disciples and the believers that this lawyer is not understanding what Jesus says
0: so you go into a little more detail what does it mean that the lawyer was wanting to justify himself
1: yes. Because the lawyer thinks that Jesus has said that you get to heaven by your works, you've answered correctly, do this and you will live. He then says, desiring to justify himself. Now see, there's two ways that justification can come about. You either get self-justified by your works or you get Christ justified by believing in Jesus Christ and the gospel. Therefore, the lawyer is thinking, well, I've got Jesus right where I want him, because when I ask this question about justifying myself, I do follow these commandments because my neighbor is, of course, a fellow Jew and I take good care of fellow Jews who are part of Judaism, taking care of the widows, the poor, etc. And the lawyers, as well as uh, various Pharisees were well known for that. So he says, who is my neighbor, thinking Jesus is going to say, well, that would be your fellow Jew. But boy, does he get a surprise.
0: So how does Jesus then go on to answer that question, who is my neighbor?
1: Yes. Now, it indicates, even in the Bible, this is called the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I was corrected by Dr. James Veltz because I didn't think it was a parable because I thought a parable was always about Jesus saving us, like the parable of the lost sheep. He goes out, he finds us, puts us on his shoulders, and carries us home. Well, this doesn't have anything about Jesus saving us in it. I was taught by Dr. Belts that a parable is simply an extended metaphor, and it can be used also to talk about how we are to behave in the world without it being tied to the kingdom of God. And that's what Jesus does in this parabolic story. He talks about a man who is beaten up and another man, two of them go by him, don't help him. A Samaritan helps him, takes him to a motel or an inn and gives money to the innkeeper to take care of him. And so what Jesus is doing to the lawyer is he's making it very clear that his neighbor is not just a fellow Jew, but also a Samaritan. Now, who are Samaritans? They were a mixed race, both physically and spiritually. Their ancestors had been the few Jews who remained behind in Babylon when most of the Jews left the exile and returned to Jerusalem. Now, those who remained behind married Gentiles that had been imported by the Babylonians into Canaan. When the Jews returned from exile, they did not want to associate with the Samaritans because they had, first of all, married Gentiles, which was contrary to God's will, and because they had also adopted pagan customs. So Samaritans were really looked down upon by most Jews at the time of Jesus. And so for Jesus to talk about a story where a Samaritan helps a wounded Jew, that's really amazing. Particularly when in the story that Jesus gives, a priest and a Levite go by and they pass by on the other side of this wounded man. And the reason they do that is because of their ceremonial laws that are not in the Bible. Namely, you cannot touch a dead person and then go to the temple. You have to go through a series of cleanliness rites before you're allowed back into the temple. So this priest and Levite, rather than stop and help this wounded man who may have appeared to have been dead, they would pass by him in order that they may be clean in their own minds to be able to worship in the temple. But this Samaritan stops, binds him up, takes him to an inn, and even gives money to the innkeeper, and says, if you need more, I will repay you when I come back. That's the story that Jesus tells.
0: Pastor Tom Baker is our guest. We're teaching a Sunday School lesson on the parable of the Good Samaritan. Why then in the parable do the priest and the Levite pass by on the other side? We'll go into a little more detail on that next. issuesetcorg slash 2023 nominations I'm Chaplain Sean Denzer, Director of Worship for the Lutheran Church
1: Missouri Synod. Congregations work hard to keep the Word of Christ dwelling richly in His disciples now and into eternal life. We work to help and support that effort. Learn more at lcms.org worship. You'll find resources on the church here, Bible studies on the hymns of the day, audio helps for learning to sing our services, and look for worship planning resources to find the latest from LCMS Worship. That's lcms.org worship. May the word of Christ dwell richly in you. Did you know that Luther Academy has been providing continuing education for confessional Lutheran pastors and laypeople worldwide for more than 20 years? Luther Academy publishes Logia, the Confessional Lutheran Dogmatics Series, and Luther Digest. Find out more about Luther Academy and sign up to receive their free email newsletter at lutheracademy.com. lutheracademy.com and like them on Facebook, facebook.com slash lutheracademy.
0: Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step, classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR 23 to save on your order. simplyclassical.com
1: Grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone. You're listening to Issues, etc.
0: Our school is committed to authentic Lutheranism, the entire Book of Concord, and indeed to authentic Lutheranism as it has continued to be confessed and practiced through the centuries right up into our own time. Dr. Cameron McKenzie, Chairman of the Department of Historical Theology at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We're committed then to biblical, confessional, Christianity, and Lutheranism, and applying it to the world of today in as effective a way as we can. You can find out more about studying for the pastoral ministry at Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, at ctsfw.edu, ctsfw.edu, or call 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Welcome back to Issues cetera. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're teaching a Sunday school lesson on the parable of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 with Pastor Tom Baker. Here's what Issues cetera regular guest Dr. John Kleinig had to say about the Issues etc. book of the month for January. It's a commentary on John 7, verse 2 through 12, verse 50 by William Weinrich. In his masterly commentary, Weinrich astonishes the reader with the range and depth of his scholarship. It reaches back to the whole Old Testament is God's prophetic word across the New Testament in its testimony to the crucified Lord Jesus and forward to the doctrinal reception of John's gospel by the church. You can find out more about this John commentary by going to our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House and ask about the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for January, 1-800-325-3040, one 325 3040 Tom, Go into a little more detail why in this parable the priest and Levite just passed by on the other side.
1: Because of the ceremonial laws that they would be unclean if they helped a wounded man who appeared almost to be dead and would not be able to worship in the temple without going through a whole set of cleanliness rites.
0: Why does Jesus ask which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the
1: thieves? once more jesus teaches by questions he has set up this lawyer who therefore realizes that the person that really ought to be the hero is the samaritan and so when jesus asks him the question which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the th- robbers?" The lawyer can't even use the word Samaritan. He instead says, the one who showed him mercy. And that is the point that Jesus is making. He has now made it very clear what the second use of the law is, to accuse us of not abiding by God's will. He has gotten the lawyer to admit That the person who was truly the neighbor was not the priest or the Levite, but rather the one who showed this wounded Jew mercy. And that would have been hard for him to say in his thinking, but it is what the law can do. And that's how Jesus gets the lawyer all the way around. He's really not answering the question namely what does the law say he really is answering the question of verse 25 the lawyer says what shall i do to inherit eternal life and now he learns that if he wants to do something he has to treat the samaritan as a neighbor which he cannot do at this point under judaism
0: He says, go and do likewise. Does that answer the lawyer's first question, really?
1: It really does. This is really an important statement. After the lawyer admits that the true neighbor is the Samaritan, then Jesus says, you go and do likewise. That is a commandment which none of us can do. So many people think when they hear the Good Samaritan, and you'll hear this in movies and all, somebody helps somebody else out, oh, that means they're a Good Samaritan. No, no, there's no Jesus in this story. Although some people want to say that the Samaritan represents Jesus, or even the donkey upon which the wounded man was taken to the end represents Jesus. But the fact of the matter is this is a law teaching showing that you wanna get to heaven by your works? Guess what? You can't do it. Because the gospel tells you Jesus saves you, not the law. So Jesus uses the law to put the lawyer in a position where he is accused of not following the will of God. We don't know what happens to this lawyer. Perhaps he comes to faith, but we do know that when the Pharisees ask this question in Matthew and Mark, they're asking Jesus to test him, to try and prove that he isn't of Judaism, which he is not because he doesn't believe that a man can be saved by his works. So we understand this story of the Good Samaritan to be one where Jesus uses the law by means of a series of questions to even get the lawyer to admit that the one who truly showed mercy was a Samaritan whom he doesn't like at all. And that is the purpose of the law, to show our sin, SOS, in contrast to the gospel that shows our Savior, SOS. And Jesus alone is our Savior.
0: Finally, what's the long gospel of this
1: lesson? The law is clear that Even among Lutherans, I've met older people who are on their deathbed, and they're afraid they're not going to heaven because they're asking the same question the lawyer asks, namely, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And then when they say that, I'll ask them, well, what does anyone do to inherit anything? No, it's a gift. You may have a relationship, but I like telling the story of a very rich man who would eat breakfast at a restaurant every morning, and he had the same waitress. She was so good at being a waitress that in his will, when he died, he left her a $100,000. That was a pure gift. She was simply doing what she was to be doing, and that's the difference between law and gospel. We can obey the law, but only after we have received the gift of the Holy Spirit and are moved and motivated by the Spirit to do good works out of love for Jesus Christ. The same good works can be done by unbelievers outwardly, but they are not good works because their motivation is always selfish. So the law and gospel of the Good Samaritan is, this is God's will, and the lawyer falls short of it, but Jesus manages to get him to admit that it is the will of God, and therefore, go and do likewise. And that's the command for sanctification not in order to get justified because you're justified by the Holy Spirit when he gives you faith, either in baptism or by hearing the word of God. And you are not justified by doing good works because there are no good works that can balance out your sins.
0: Pastor Tom Baker hosts a radio show called Law and Gospel. For almost 30 years, he met monthly to prepare his Sunday school teachers for the classroom. Tom, thank you. Thank you. In hour two of Issues Etc., we'll be looking forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary. We're going to be talking about the baptism of Jesus with Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy. To kick things off, how is Jesus' baptism different from ours?
1: Real Reformation Radio, you're listening to Issues Etc. You're invited to a special life service Sunday afternoon at 3 on January 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Columbia, Illinois. Pastor Michael Salamink, Executive Director of Lutherans for Life, will be the guest preacher. What does Jesus have to do with life issues? Find out at a life service Sunday afternoon at 3, January 22nd at St. Paul Lutheran Church in Columbia, Illinois. Learn more at sidadvocatesforlife.com.